Hey, howdy, hello, and welcome. I'm Darlene Marshall, and this is Better Than Fine. Whether you are a fitness professional, some kind of coach, a positive psychology practitioner, or an everyday Jack or Jill out there in the world looking for reliable wellness information for yourself, you have come to the right place. Welcome to Better Than Fine. So if you're a fan of the show, I want to ask, invite you to subscribe, write us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, or if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click that like button, leave us some comments, give us some feedback. We want to know what you're thinking. And for me, it's a little weird. I This is my first time back on the mic in about a month. Uh, not for you. If you've been a regular listener to the show, you've had a month's worth of episodes that my exceptional producer, Eric, and I uh, put on on record uh, before I stepped away about four weeks ago. I disappeared for the month of May so that I could get married. If you are watching on YouTube, you here it is. There's the bling right there with my aura ring. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you can, I don't know, go see, see on Instagram, check it out on YouTube. But I am officially married uh, to Matthew and it's been interesting. So I want to answer the first, the three most common questions that I've been getting over the last few weeks. Uh, no, I'm not going to change my name. Still Darlene Marshall. Two, married life is very similar to our life before, just with a bit more commitment. Uh, and number three, asking about other people's family planning plans is rude, uh, even if you're related. So I'm not answering that one for anybody right now. But it has been a wild couple of weeks. You know, we had some challenges with, with some wedding planner stuff and some venue stuff leading up, but the actual wedding itself was fantastic. We used some of what I know from my background in well-being and experiential design to kind of hack the weekend to cause the group to bond and experience some self-transcendence. And it totally worked wonderfully. We had a great time. And then we went on our honeymoon. And uh, this this might surprise you. I don't know, listening to the show, maybe you'd already guessed, but we had a pretty emotional honeymoon. You know, we're socially conditioned that we're supposed to think of honeymoons as like champagne and flower petals everywhere and sunsets. And we had those things, but we also had some really deep emotional conversations and we had some emotional fallout. Uh, some things really came up for both of us after the wedding in the idea of being on a honeymoon, you know, some of the things like like the people that we really love who are no longer with us uh, and wishing that they had been there on the day that we got married. That was really hard for us both. The, the baggage of marriage in general in our culture that we are both in and of and here in the United States and me having been married before and being on a honeymoon again, what that meant, what that brought up. So we had some stuff to like work out. We had some days that we just stayed in our room and not for like, you know, the honeymoon things, but to process what was coming up. But that's not what people want to hear when they ask me, how was your honey? How was the wedding? How was the honeymoon? Like they want to hear how it was romantic and it was connected and it was so beautiful. And I'm not saying it wasn't, it definitely was those things, but that brings me in this idea that I'm supposed to put that on for other people really brings me into what today's episode is about. Just toxic positivity. So let's get to it. You're listening to Better Than Fine. I'm your host, holistic wellness coach, Darlene Marshall. 
And in researching this episode, I dug into this idea, the origins of toxic positivity. And I'd assumed, like so many of the things that we talk about on this show, that there was going to be research on it, research on the effects of toxic positivity. But, and this really surprised me, the earliest citation that I could find about the phrase toxic positivity was an article about teachers coping with the pandemic. So that's only in 2020. And since that time, there's been about 25 references published. That is not a lot for a phrase that, in my humble opinion, captures what is some of the ugliest parts of the underbelly in, in fitness, in wellness, in positive psychology, in the health field. You know, that, that space that this show kind of occupies the center of, this idea of toxic positivity describes some of the roughest parts of what it can do when it's not done in a positive way, in a helpful way, I should say. But the phrase toxic positivity has been floating around so much longer than there's research to back it up. And that's because it's something that we encounter in these spaces where we do work on ourselves. So what is it? What's toxic positivity? Well, it's when we use any of these tools, these positive soft quotes tools, like focusing on our strengths, reframing, fitness, mindfulness, gratitude practice, pick one. There's so many out there to choose, but we use those tools to reject, to mask, to cancel out the challenging parts of our human experience, to pretend that the hard stuff isn't there, isn't what we're going through. So that first reference that I mentioned a moment ago, it's a paper by Sokol, Trudell, and Bab in 2020. And they define toxic positivity as to reject, deny, or displace any acknowledgement of the stress, negativity, and possible disabling features of trauma, instead looking only through rose-colored glasses." End quote. Then there's just one part of that definition that I want to push back on, and that's using the word trauma. Now, full disclosure, this paper is about trauma specifically, but doesn't have to be full-blown trauma for toxic positivity to show up. Toxic positivity is really any time that we use these positive tools to gloss over the hard parts of being a human. So it's when the friend says, just look on the bright side when you're struggling, right? Like that, oh, it's another flipping growth opportunity. It's the parent that says, oh, it's not so bad when you go to them with a problem. It's the partner who says, but, but look, we're fine. Look at everything that we have. We have so much to be grateful for when you've just told them your worst fears. It's the coach who tries to use NLP techniques to reframe your trauma while you're trying to, to get through it. And they're trying to get you to detach without processing those difficult emotions. It's the boot camp instructor who yells, there's only doers in this gym when your body is just screaming for you to stop and they're telling you that it's actually good for you. It's that all or nothing, rise or grind, entrepreneurial influencer who says that if you're not retired by 35, it's because you've got the wrong mindset and he can teach you how or they can teach you how. And as a person who straddles the fitness and the positive psychology spaces, I encounter this all the time at every level. And if I'm being honest, when I think about toxic positivity, there's one particular story that comes to mind for me. And I wasn't, I was really on the fence about telling this story in this episode, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it right now. 
Uh, but before I do, you're listening to Better Than Fine. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. Today, we're talking about toxic positivity, and I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off and tell you this story that to me is like the perfect encapsulation of toxic positivity. So I was in a meeting in the middle of 2021 with a very well-known, well-respected, well-being <laughs> nonprofit. Uh, and it's intended to be a global institution, but all of the leadership of this particular subgroup that at the time I was a part of were are all in North America. I don't know if they still are like that, but that's how it was at the time. Uh, but this meeting in particular was about connecting to a global community, trying to get them engaged and, and really hearing what practitioners in this particular domain were experiencing and needed around the world. And this graduate student who is from a foreign country on the call, uh, and that country having less resources than those of us who are in North America, and she shares about this struggle that she's having in her work. She's using a well-being tool that's designed and researched in North America and trying to help people in her country during the pandemic. She tells us that it's not working. Uh, she, she doesn't know if it's because she's doing something wrong. Maybe it was mistranslated. Maybe she doesn't understand how to use the tool properly. But that the people that she's trying to help really seem don't seem to care all that much about like their virtues and their strengths and their big goals because they're scared about the pandemic. They can't get masks or vaccines or treatment uh, because there's no money for that. And those, these people, these resources. And at the time, there had been massive flooding in their area. And the people that she was trying to research couldn't even get clean water. The student was trying to bring positivity, but these people are literally struggling to survive. And so she's done speaking. This group is clearly at a loss. No one says anything for a, sh a few moments. They're really unsure what to do. You know, so these cozy residents of North America, they didn't have an immediate answer for her. And then someone on the call comes off mute to chime in and very pleasantly says, um, what's one positive thing that you learned doing your research? And the student just gapes at her is completely at a loss now herself. So there are a lot of aspects of this story that we could look at. We could look at the lack of diversity in these well-being and wellness spaces. We could look at the power dynamics involved. We can look at the financial resources involved. We could look at the fact that most of the research that these tools are based on, that we reference in the fitness, the wellness spaces, they are done on primarily white, well-educated in Western countries, and mostly done on men. But for the sake of this episode, I just want to focus on this toxic positivity piece right now, because it's very common in wellness and well-being spaces to tell people to just focus on the positive. And here is an extreme example of someone who's asking for help, who doesn't understand why things aren't working and without acknowledging the suffering and struggle that's been brought to us, they're told, we'll focus on the good part, <laughs> even though it doesn't seem like there's a good part to focus on. And we justify that as practitioners, as people, we'll talk about like combating negativity bias or we'll cite some evidence about how this, this approach or other will help or whatever other rationalization we want to throw out at. But when we engage in toxic positivity as 
friends, as practitioners, we're denying the full spectrum of the human experience, that full spectrum of our feelings and the information that it gives us to be human. This idea that it's to have pleasant things and unpleasant things, unpleasant emotions, and to have times that we're overwhelmed, to have times that we don't know what to do or how we're going to get through what we're going through. Letting ourselves be fully human is part of embracing the experience of what it is to be alive. And that's what we're hearing about. That's what we're here to dive into. You're listening to Better Than Fine. I'm Darlene Marshall. Today we're talking about positive, excuse me, toxic positivity. We're always talking about positive psychology. And I believe that to build a life that is the full spectrum of the human experience, we have to invite all of it in which can sometimes be hard and overwhelming. And there are a few major problems with what happens when we engage in this toxic positivity thing, whether it's on social media or with our friends or with our clients uh, or with ourselves. So the first is that it just invalidates your experience, your interpretation, your feelings. It tells you, oh, don't focus on that. That's not really what's happening. This other positive thing is what's happening in some ways, that is the essence of gaslighting. It's telling yourself or someone else that what they're experiencing isn't real. Second big one, I think, is that when someone is engaging in this toxic, positive way, it revokes your autonomy. So often when someone is doing that thing, that talk, oh, just focus on the positive. They're telling you what to do. That doesn't give you a space to work through whatever it is you're going through. So it invalidates you. It steals the autonomy. And it makes you doubt your own intuition, your own interpretation of your emotional experience, which can be a hit to your emotional intelligence. You don't learn to trust yourself. You learn to go, oh, well, maybe my reactions aren't really the right kind of reactions because I'm so negative or whatever, whatever story you're telling yourself. And through that, We then are taught to suppress our negative emotional response. So we don't learn how to process what's coming up, to learn from it, to cope with it. And so often that means that you're just punting that emotional ball down the field, right? You're just shoving it into the box on the emotional shelf and not handling it. And it's going to leak and get stinky. Like all this bad juju is going to come back on you, which means we're ignoring our problems. And the other big one, I think, is when we feel, we learn to feel shame and guilt because we aren't the kind of people who can just look on the bright side, right? We aren't those sunflower people who just flip it on its head. And that's inauthentic. It's not how people actually work. It's not what we're actually here for. It's not going to help us ultimately in the long run. So what do we do about it? You're listening to Better Than Fine. I'm Darlene Marshall. We're talking about toxic positivity. And we could sit here all day and unpack what it is and why it matters. Why is it a problem? But really underneath that, what are we going to do instead? Right? We try to give you tools that you can take away on this show so that you can go off and live that fuller, more fulfilled life. So I think that what we do instead is... As as practitioners, if you're a coach, if you're a trainer, if you're a positive psychology person, it's getting comfortable just holding the space for someone else's uncomfortable emotion, right? Open it up for them. Now, for the individual, 
this listening to this and going, oh yeah, I need to learn how to embrace that hard stuff. It's learning the tools to process that hard stuff, to learn from the challenges so that you can grow past them. And the first big one, in my opinion, is validation. Someone shares something hard with you, it's returning to them with a reflexive statement that validates their experience. So if I tell you, and this is true, I'm so sad. It's my wedding day and my grandfather died last year. My grandfather was a big deal in my life. If you've listened to the show, you've probably picked up on that. So the toxic positivity response might be, oh, be happy. It's your wedding day. Look at all of this. You can't cry in your dress. No, that ain't it. That is the gloss over what I just shared with you response. And what you want to do is validate. I can understand being sad when someone that important to you is not here physically. What would help you connect with him emotionally or spiritually today and carry him with you? Right? What would make him feel pleasant, present for you? So you just turn what they said back around out to them and you can do this to yourself. I did do this to myself. We found ways to call in my grandfather, Matthew's grandmother, so that we felt them with us on that day. Instead of pretending, nope, we're not going to be sad. It's a wedding. It's not helpful. It's not real. And then the other big tool I want to offer to you is probably one of my favorite tools, one of my favorite ways that I frame my life for myself, that I deal with challenges when they come up. And I teach every single client this set of tools and it's pragmatic optimism. So the first, whenever you're experiencing an overwhelming challenge, validate it, own it, accept it, own fully the situation that you are in. What's difficult about it? Feel your feelings because feelings are information. We're going to have an episode coming up about this concept very soon. This idea that when you have an emotional reaction to something, that is information to yourself from yourself. So learn to feel, to understand, to interpret your emotions. And this is a process. It's learning to feel them, but not attaching to them in a way that holds you back. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that it's a skill that can be developed, a whole set of skills that can be grown. The next part, step two. So step one, own, own your feels. Feel your fifis. Dan Savage calls them your fifis. Step two, the pragmatic part. You've got to recognize completely and realistically as possible the circumstances that you have found yourself in and accept those circumstances as your current reality. Own it. Because you cannot truly move forward in a meaningful way that is honest without accepting where you are. My metaphor for this, I love being out in the woods, but without a trail map, I'm more likely to get lost, right? I have to know where I am before I can set out empowered toward where I want to go, right? I need a topo or I'm going to get lost and it's, and it's dangerous. So own the circumstances that you find yourself in. And then number three, I ask people to answer this question. What is the most proactive next step that you could take? You don't have to know all the steps. You might not even know where you're going in the end, but genuinely to move forward in a way that is not made of sunshine and unicorn farts, to not fake move forward, you need to get unstuck, to get unfrozen. The truly constructive thing to do when encountering any stressor or trauma or other challenge starts with acknowledging and validating the difficult thing that is happening. You got to own it. But let's be honest. There have been incredibly difficult, toxic, and traumatic things that have happened 
over the last few days, weeks, the months, and and let's own it, years, sustained periods of difficult, heavy things. And some of the, the factors leading to them have been brewing for literally decades. What will be meaningful for us to move forward towards wellness and well-being isn't made of sunshine and unicorn farts. It's helping one another to accept, to process, and then to learn and grow from all that is going on around us and to do so together in a, in a whole way that doesn't deny any of the parts of that full spectrum of the human experience. All right, we're going to leave it there. I want to remind you to like, subscribe. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Darlene.coach. You shoot me a DM if you've got any uh, questions, thoughts, feedback, concerns. You want to share an episode idea, something you want to learn more about. Please don't hesitate to reach out. And thanks.